0: It is Thursday afternoon, June the 4th, the day after Buddy Crabtree's birthday. Buddy's birthday was yesterday. I don't know if we announced it, but.
1: Happy birthday, Buddy.
0: Buddy's birthday was yesterday, so you can wish him happy day after his birthday today. So thank you for being here with us. Make sure that as you're hopping on that you comment, tell us who you are, where you're watching from, so that way we can say hello back to ya. Kevin is the first one on commenting today. He says, "Good afternoon, what's right family serena what's says up? hello hello I, I I'm not the only one here right now. I can't <laughs> do two voices at once. I'm not skilled in french you can
1: you can uh yeah do that and I'll speak for you all right, ready, go." Yeah, welcome to What's Right today. We love you. We're so glad that you're on the broadcast with us. Thank you so much for everything that you do. We love having you as part of our family. Glory to God. Share the broadcast. It's going to be a great day. That was so much (laughs) fun. Let's do that again.
0: I hope you enjoyed the man who will be king that way for the whole (laughs) broadcast.
1: That was really good.
0: Priscilla's waving. Natalie says, hello. Deb sends a handshake, a smiley face, and sunglasses. Are you watching outside? Are you enjoying the 90 degrees? Um, Kevin says, Vermont on the air. Tanya says, hello from Albemarle. Holly says, hello. I got to hang out with your husband and my husband this morning, Holly. Johnny helped George fix stuff at our house. Johnny Shaver, man of God. Well, thank you for being with us today. Julie says, great job, Barrett. <laughs> that was great job, Pastor. That's, that's inspiration of Pastor <laughs> right there. While y'all are ho- hopping on, Body says, hola, but I think there might be two L's there, so I'm just going to read it as holla. Holla. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. <laughs> Deb says, hello. Just like Mrs. Doubtfire. Absolutely. So, like there isn't really it's not even Mrs. Doubtfire it's just Deb Robin Williams is doing a Deb impression That's, that's accurate like it's it's true okay as you're hopping on I have questions for you because we didn't get to hang out like chit-chatty yesterday. So we're going to chit-chat today for a couple minutes while everybody's logging on and I want to get to know you better. So question number
1: one. George Knauer is watching.
0: George, my husband. Hi, George. I love you.
1: Tanya Louder. Hello.
0: Okay. What's something you wished you liked but you just don't like it? Something you wished you liked but you just don't
1: I think everybody in my household would say I wish daddy liked chocolate (laughs) that's a good one Priscilla said grapefruit Serena said bananas bananas
0: I immediately went to a show that you were you were not a part of because (laughs) I am younger
1: what is that? What George Wright? Hero. Hero. Okay. That's Hero.
0: <laughs> Kevin says shopping.
1: Shopping. You wish you would sh- you wish you would like shopping? I don't I don't even wish I would like shopping. <laughs> I like buying. I like I go in and buy. I I'd- know what I want. I go to it and I'm done.
0: I didn't mean to prolong that awkward pause. I immediately went to, like when you started singing Bananas, I went to this little kid show that's Bananas and Pajamas are coming down the stairs. (laughs) And I knew that you did not grow up watching that. You
1: are, you're correct.
0: But that's what the awkward silence was. Okay, Pastor Nicole says, Howdy from Baden. Oh, I can see me doing the Jolly Limberjack dance on the camera. That's exciting. Uh, Holly says, Seafood. Yeah, Holly does not eat seafood. Pastor Nicole says, I don't mind you not liking, cho- <laughs> not liking chocolate more for me.
1: <laughs> that's accurate. No, I, that's very accurate.
0: I wish I liked sports. I, I go to sport things with George because I love George, but I just,
1: eh? <laughs> Candace, hello. Kevin? How, do you, how do you pronounce your last name? Hodgson? Hod's, Hodgson? Hodgson? There's no e there, so Hodgson. Hodgson. Hmm.
0: It looks like a town from Maine. I want to say it in. right.
1: Yeah, but Deb wishes she liked livermush. Wednesday Ew. night life group reference. Livermush <laughs> 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 is good.
0: Kevin says buying is awesome, but when you are stuck with someone at the store sh- shopping, that stinks.
1: Don't I uh, know it? <laughs> Praise, I'm going to tell you, I, my wife does not like shopping, and that is a godsend. Because I get there, and about 15 minutes into shopping, like actual or looking, trying to find something, like my, my flesh starts to scream and yell. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like
0: it. And this is why Pastor Nicole has myself and Abigail to do her shopping
1: for her. Okay. Candace says Hodson. Hodson, the G is silent. Okay. Hodson. Candace Hodson. Did I say it right? Just then. Okay.
0: Question number two. Dun, dun, dun. I see most everybody has like food things. Okay. Okay, guys. Hotly debated topic. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Why or why not? Go. No. Why?
1: It's just not. It's a hot dog. It's its own class.
0: Buddy and I had a conversation yesterday about how your opinions like you have thought through your opinions so strongly that even though it's an opinion, our opinions feel like they're not <laughs> measured up to the level of your opinions. So <laughs> so I like to hear the whys so I can start making my opinions in the in the scientific format of that. This, form, this is
1: not one I've ever thought about, so
0: <laughs> Um, George said the exact same thing. Whoa, never thought of that.
1: (laughs) I hadn't either. I've never thought of that.
0: Deb, it's not just a dog. Dogs are real that like have cute little tails and stuff.
1: So it says an item, Buddy posted the...
0: I looked up the definition before. An item of food,
1: a sandwich is an item of food consisting of two pieces of bread with meat, cheese, or other filling between them eaten as a light meal. Well... See, that would disqualify hot dogs right there because when I eat a hot dog, it's not a late meal like three or four. No, I, I rarely have more than two. More than, actually, I mostly have one or two. But um, hot, but also, a hot dog is only one piece of bread, which therefore you have to ask the question, what about a hoagie?
0: That's what exactly where I was. And I'm like, what about a sub? Sandwich. I know.
1: <laughs> and see, I, I would preparing. say a sub is a sandwich. See, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm playing both sides of the game today.
0: <laughs> because I knew which side you were going to be on. I, too, looked up the definition before the broadcast <laughs> and immediately had my sub sandwich ready to go as a question for yeah. it. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, Candace says, see, a hot dog, see, hot dog buns are one piece of bun.
1: Is Pasteur. a burger a sandwich?
0: It could be. It's just the hot meat at that point because hamburgers can have lettuce and tomatoes and toppings and meat and cheese and bread. All of the ingredients that are also included in a Subway sandwich.
1: I think I just have a bias. If it's not a loaf of bread (laughs) or it's not a, a hoagie roll, then it's not a sandwich.
0: Hot dog buns come in hoagie type rolls.
1: It's true, but it's not a... That's more like the Italian sausage. But I don't know that I would count that as. Hard. <laughs> this is all. This is all just biased opinion from me today because I don't have. A, I've never thought about it. So. Is a
0: meatball sub a sandwich?
1: I would say so.
0: Then I feel like you can just smush those meatballs together, and it's a great big hot dog, in shape.
1: It doesn't taste the same. It's not the same as a hot dog.
0: It's not the same taste as a hot dog, but the shape is the same. So if a hot we're going dog's off its of...
1: own thing. It's its own thing. <laughs> it's its own like. You remember the triangle of the food group? There was this little piece off to the side that nobody knows what it is. Hot dog is there. Hot dog is, yeah.
0: Hot dog is the Hawaii it? of the map. Like. <laughs>
1: the Hawaii. They would be offended that you would say that. I can't believe you'd do that.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Question number three. <laughs> oh, Kevin, that's a good point. He said that where he grew up in Vermont, yeah. they call a sub a grinder.
1: Yeah, I didn't know what that was.
0: I love that Buddy went to Merriam-Webster. Okay, how much was... I like see? how
1: omit Buddy is with his, his Google definitions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it.
0: <laughs> buddy very read strongly. It.
1: Yeah, he's like, read it. <laughs> okay, Buddy, gum. it's a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> when it's served in a roll, it's also a sandwich. We know the idea that a hot dog is a sandwich is heresy to some of you. But given that the definition of a sandwich is two or more slices of bread or a split roll having a filling in between, there's no sensible way around it. Hence, a hot dog is a sandwich. See, and I would have to go with scientific. All right, scientific fact. (laughs) They're laughing. Based off of this.
2: Scientific fact. I would have
1: to say a hot dog is a sandwich, but I'll never say it again. <laughs> I'll never admit to it again. It's recorded I know you can.
0: You did. It happened. Good job.
1: I I didn't have a mindset in the first place, so I don't know that you,
0: you swayed changed. the decision of where it was going. I
1: I would say according to strict legal things, it was a hot dog is a sandwich. These are important points. These are important things that we're figuring out. That's the clip that needs to go on Instagram story today. Is according to these legal things, a hot dog is a sandwich.
0: I'm very excited. And other
1: great things on Lunch Plus today. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) That's Kevin just said (laughs) blasphemy. Heresy.
1: (laughs) Ask the Lord to forgive you right now. I would have to, I'm still gonna hold my opinion though. No, it's not a sandwich. Oh, <laughs> I
0: true. said
1: it for scientific reasons. Now I don't, I don't adhere to it. I choose a alternate reality.
0: We are so close, everybody. Okay, third question, <laughs> dun, dun dun. Marky, I really want you to answer immediately. How much would someone have to pay you to eat a live tarantula? I I included the word live because I I knew that somehow on Lunch Plus.
1: (laughs) Kevin said on the hot dog, we'll have to go back to the question. (laughs) Kevin said on hot dog, we are not legalists. (laughs) And then my wife says, all hot dog lawyers are crooked. (laughs) All right, back to the question. (laughs) How much would someone have to pay you? to eat a live tarantula.
0: And see, I included live because here on the broadcast, thus far in its creation, we've eaten crickets. That's we've true. eaten worms. True. Um, so I feel like dead tarantulas, I don't really think we'd have to be paid to do it. We'd do it for Jesus. But a live tarantula, that's a different ball game.
1: Ooh, Holly. Holy Spirit would have to tell me to eat it otherwise. None. <laughs>
0: uh, I like Markie? how she
1: didn't go absolute. I, li- I like that.
0: Marky, you can for sure cut it up. Absolutely.
1: Well, then it would be.
0: Not if you just started picking apart the legs. Like you just pick a leg off each time.
1: Can we deep fry it?
0: Deb said one million or one That's billion a billion
1: dollars. dollars. I mean, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to get paid. I would do it for less, but I would I would set a <laughs> high level.
0: I was inspired by Buddy because we were trying to find out an answer from Paul this weekend uh, about something else, and so he started asking Paul if I paid you this much, would you do it? If I paid you this much, would you do it?
1: Okay, Nicole's goals coming.
0: Buddy says five thousand. Pastor Nicole says if I can cut the legs off the tarantula and hide it in a taco, I'd eat it for six figures. That's a solid answer. I, I could do that. Like you could. Yeah, like you could bury the the tarantula and other things. Um, Marky said that you would do it for less but you would cry. Buddy said $5,000. I think that that's Yeah, I think I'd do it around there. Man, I <clears throat> George said that's cruelty. Pastor Nicole says, "Dagum, Holly, you just went all us. Paul would on us. do it for $1,000. But you wouldn't pee on yourself if you got stung by a jellyfish. You'd eat a live tarantula for (laughs) $1,000. But if you're hurting by a jellyfish, you won't pee on yourself, even if we paid you? That's what the question was. I'm sorry. Welcome to youth, everybody. (laughs) That's where we were. (laughs) George says, no amount of money to eat it. Someone's life would have to be in danger for me to do it. George, the hero.
1: Hello, Miss Lisa. Good to see you.
0: I, I have so many questions for Paul. I have so many questions.
1: I'm surprised, Paul. Man, he really got over, he had a fear of spiders. He really got over that. Huh?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's like, no, nah, I'll eat it.
0: I love that getting stung by a jellyfish and having urine be what makes it feel better. That's disgusting. But the live tarantula eating, like you're all in for it. I really wish you were here in person. This would be a really fun conversation in person.
1: I have some questions for Paul, but I'm not <laughs> gonna do them on live air.
0: <laughs> I Kevin says, I know I now know Holly a little, a little too, too much. much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, I don't know what to do with this hair. It is my corona hair. I broke it up. Usually I let it, you know, I keep the stuff, keep it down while I'm on the broadcast. But right before I came on the broadcast, I'm like, break it up. And now it went
0: whoop. <laughs> I think progressively through today's broadcast, you should make it get bigger. I should do
1: what I did yesterday.
0: You really should. So that by <laughs> the end, it's like full-on Johnny Bravo hair. <laughs> You're like, I don't know if you watching realize the amount of hair that pastor has, but it's a lot and it can get really,
1: really big. Yeah, I was, uh, it's got to be, what's happening is right here. I've got, it's really thick right in here. And so that hair is like going up over that, that has to be thinned out a lot. But
0: what was happening
1: because somebody, some people may be wondering what in the world is up with this hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Paul says I ate a live crab on a deer.
0: But it was tiny. I have a video of that, too. It was a tiny one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but uh, right before coronavirus came, I saw a picture of, like, a longer hair. And mine's been short forever. It's been so short. And I said, you know what? And I actually, I felt kind of led to do it. I was like, I'm going to let it, I'm going to let it, I'd like to see what it would look like growing out like that. But in order to do it that way, you have to let the front get long enough where it will lay down by its own weight. But while you're getting there, it just wants to stand up. And um, But then coronavirus came. They shut down all the barbershops, shut down all the spas, or all the, what is it? The Hair salons. Hair salons. And uh, so I went, well, this is the perfect time to grow it right now. So I just let it go. But now it's now it's right at that spot where it's like, and I don't like it. But. Oh, well. It
2: doesn't
0: look bad. I'm still,
1: though. I'm letting it grow. I'm, I'm in it now. I'm, I'm going all the way. So we'll see. We'll see.
0: Paul said that he ate the live crab on a dare. So George says, Paul, I dare you to eat a live tarantula. <laughs> George,
1: George is such an instigator. George is my favorite. <laughs> I love George. He, he recognizes those moments. He's like, okay. <laughs> I double dog dare you. <laughs> Take that, Paul. He knows Paul's like,
0: dang it. Mm-hmm.
1: Paul just got serious.
0: Paul's like, I'm going to go to a pet store and not tell them what I'm buying it for.
1: Did <laughs> Buddy? Oh, that's an old comment on the Facebook.
0: On the Facebook.
1: The Facebook.
0: Your hair doesn't look bad. The Facebook feed. I, I really do want it to progressively grow today as you're talking, though.
1: <laughs> the, so o- the only issue with that is the people that may be passing by, and they'll be like, look at that preacher.
0: They'd bring it. It would draw them in. It would they entice would wonder, them want But
1: then i They would want to know what's going on. Paul said, there's a line, George. (laughs) (laughs) George said, Paul said it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so guys, this week we've really been uh, addressing the current events. And today felt led to go back into the man who would be king. And it's going to be a good one. And we're going to be in 1 Samuel 26. Uh, amen. Kevin says, the men are truly men in Albemarle, North Carolina. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so anyway, we had, uh, we, I think we really had some good broadcasts earlier yeah. this week, uh, just talking about, you know, we talked about on Monday, what in the world is going on? And we talked about exactly what's going on. And then we, um, what was it on Tuesday that we talked about hope, mm-hmm. there's hope. And man, that was a Great service hey Pastor Ed's on there <laughs> hey Pastor Ed he just uh, commented on YouTube and then uh, yesterday we had prayer yeah. and uh, over over our city over our nation, and that was great. We really had a lot of participation in that people bringing their supply and uh, today I just felt led to uh, get back to the man who would be king uh, we're talking about uh, people who would be leaders and people who would be ministers and we're gonna jump back into it today. So do you have anything else? Nope, any other things I need to cover? Actually, Actually.
0: yes, um, real quick before I skedaddle. Uh, this weekend, Pastor Tracy Harris, one of Pastor Brian's spiritual fathers, he's going to be in Jefferson, South Carolina, yes. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at Faith Family Church with Pastor Eddie Smith great friends of ours. We love them very much. If you're able to get there, I would get there. It's going to be super powerful.
1: Absolutely.
0: And then Pastor Brian actually announced yesterday on the broadcast, if you were able to watch it, but even if you weren't, this Saturday, Pastor has been invited to participate in a prayer meeting here in Albemarle, in the square here in town, at 9.45 a.m. Saturday morning. And we would love if you're in the area, even if you're not and you come to drive, just come supply bring your faith hope and love to those times of prayer we'd love to have you and I think that is it
1: amen amen glory to God well let's jump in today talking about the man who would be king Uh, so we're talking about the person that God would call to be a king a president of a country Uh, we're talking about the person who would be called to be a president of a company a leader, a manager, a shift supervisor. We're talking about uh, the person who would be a leader in their church, a servant leader, a disciple maker, a Sunday school leader, the person who would be a minister... Uh, who would be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. We're talking about anybody that's called to be a leader. And the truth is, anybody in the body of Christ is called to be some sort of leader. Even in uh, the New Testament, it tells us that, hey... uh, the women who are elder in the kingdom of God, you are to teach those who are younger, who are less mature in the thing. So even uh, people that feel no ministry office, they are called to be leaders of the people no matter where they're at. And so everybody should be paying attention to that. Now, one of the things that the Bible does tell us to do is study to show ourselves approved. So a lot of times we're just expecting God to dump Uh, dump an anointing on us, and we haven't taken responsibility for that anointing or to continuously increase in that anointing or in that gifting, in that skill, and in that talent. So what we're doing in this series, I I forget which part this is, part 31. Part 31 of the man who would be king, we're looking at the wrong leadership uh, in King Saul and King David, but we're also looking at the right leadership with Jonathan and King David. And even King Saul in the beginning, he did some things right. And so we're looking at what are those characteristics? Because without understanding those characteristics, uh, we won't know things that we should be walking in that are godly, that he's given us as examples in these men in this story. We won't see those things. We need to make sure that we see them, and we need to make sure that we walk in them. But in order to walk in them, we got to know about them first. The Word says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, and they're going into captivity for a lack of understanding. We don't want to be those people. If you want to be the kind of people that God wants to bless, just put a hands up in the comments right now. I want to be everything God's called me to be. I want to be everything God has called me to be. In order to do that, you must study to show yourself approved. In order to be who God's called you to be, you can't just sit by and wait for it. You've got to go after the Lord. Amen. Well you fix the comments on the uh, Facebook feed there. All right. So we must be, praise God, I see all of you putting your hands up in the comments. That's awesome. We want to be who God's called us to be. So today we're going to look at first Samuel chapter twenty six. Now, if you remember where we've come from, basically Saul, of course, was anointed king by Samuel. And then we move to the point where Saul then messes up. Hey, Melissa Billingsley, good afternoon to you too. Welcome to the broadcast. And then Saul is anointed king. He does some things right. And then he moves to the place where he does some things wrong, of course. And now he, David comes up. David is anointed king. He moves in the anointing of God. And then immediately Saul gets jealous of him. And he starts trying to, uh, starts trying to kill him. Jonathan and Saul make a covenant. And one of the last things that happened was uh, Saul was trying to kill David. David could have killed him in the cave. But instead of killing him, he says, I'm not going to touch him. And then he basically, Saul repents, which is amazing. We talked about how important it is that people see that the anointing will clear away deception. So Saul, who was anointed by God... He makes the wrong choices and steps out from the anointing of God. All of a sudden, he's deceived. He thinks, He's jealous of David. He's got men around him. He, and I said this uh, weeks ago or a week or so ago. I said there's always going to be somebody who will agree with your deception. There will always be somebody that will say your deception is the right thing to do when it's very much the wrong thing to do. And Saul had that person too. But David goes up and in humility says, "I'm not going to take this throne an ungodly way. There's a right way to do it, and I'm going to make sure that I do it the right way." So then, what he does, and he says this: He says, "I'm going to, I'm going, I know I'm anointed for the throne, but I'm not going to do it the wrong way." Immediately in this moment, the blinders of deception comes off of King Saul. He repents to David. It looks like everything's good, like it's all wrapped up, everything's awesome, and even tells David, I can see that you will be on the throne, and when you get there, please remember me, and and please remember my family. Now, most people would think that David should immediately go to the throne because basically it looks like Saul just handed it over. But he knows this is not the time. This is not the time. So a good leader makes sure to understand the timing of God. When you're being led by God, you have to have two things. There's many things. You, you can gotta know the what, and you gotta know the when. The what for David is you're anointed to be king. The when, he's waiting on that from the Lord, but he hasn't heard it from the Lord yet. The when. When you're being led by God, you must know the what and the when. Most of the time I've found, and I made this mistake as well, most of the time we I would hear the what And then I'd just go and try and make it happen. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'd be in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing because I'd not heard the wind. David understood this and he didn't just go straight there. Uh, I love how the anointing took away the deception of Saul. Well, then in the very next chapter, you see that David was protecting uh, some flocks of a man named uh, Nabal. Uh, and this man his ma- his name means fool, and so then he was married to a lady named Abigail, and David says, "Hey, we basically you don't see all of this at the beginning, but you see it as you keep reading. We've been watching your flocks. Can you spare us some food for my men and And Nabal had plenty of food, plenty of everything, but he was greedy. And he was covetous, and he said, "No, who is this? Who is this that would do it?" And so David had actually been protecting thievery from all of Nabal's uh, flocks. And David, David, and he tells us, wrongfully said, "I'm, I'm gonna go kill him. I'm gonna wipe his whole, his whole inheritance out, his whole family, everything. I'm gonna wipe them all out." And uh, Abigail, his Nabal's wife, gets word of it. And she says, I've got to do something. She very humbly goes before David. She's sitting there. She says, look, my husband, you know, he has lived up to his name. Please, please accept these things uh, for you and your men. And David repents. The humility of Abigail makes David repent. It also says that she was a beautiful lady. Actually, you know, this is the lady that uh, my wife and I named our daughter Abigail uh, uh, from was this lady, the wisdom and humility that she had and the beauty that she had. That's what we named her after. And so then you see that uh, within that night, here's Nabal. He thinks he's done nothing wrong. That's where deception will get us. He thinks he's done nothing wrong. He's just living life, living it up. He's drinking, he's eating, he's everything. That night, he, it looks like he has a stroke and within days he's dead. You don't mess around with the things of God. And, and people will say, well, that's not New Testament. That's Old Testament. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. Ask the Elimus, uh, the magician over in Acts chapter 13. You don't mess around with the things of God. Uh, we've seen this in our in our ministry. We've seen it. People that played around with the anointing. It doesn't end well. I always wonder, like, is that true? Is that real? Let me tell you something. It's real. It's true. You don't play around with the, the things of God. Our job is to see the things of God and humble ourselves, hunger for the things of God, and humble ourselves to everything that God's doing. And when we do that, we'll find ourselves in the right place at the right time, doing the right things, and the blessings of God will start to just pile up. And so, now watch this. He, uh, then David marries Abigail, and uh, now we're moving into chapter 26. Remember, a couple of chapters ago, Saul completely repents for trying to kill David. He even says, David, I see the anointed on you. But let's go now to 1 Samuel 26. Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is, is not David hiding on the hill in Hekelah, which is before Jeshimon. So the, they come to King Saul. So Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having with him 3,000 chosen men of Israel to search for David in the wilderness of Ziph. Well, what's he searching for? I thought he repented. I thought he repented. I've seen this multiple times in our ministry. Um, We've had situations where people have just, they've listened to the wrong voices. They've listened to it uh, negative. And all of a sudden, they're thinking the wrong things. One time we had a situation, uh, there was a couple, and they were just mad at me and upset at me, and I didn't really know why. And when we sat down together, um, literally the words that came out of their mouth was, We don't have anything to be upset over. And I said, I can't see anything. I don't know. So when we came together and talked about it and communicated, remember, communication brings us into a common unity. Now, here's the issue. If you look at the timeline, we were having to have a conversation because they were upset. But they were upset because before that, they had an issue that they didn't communicate about. Communication brings us into a common unity. Communication is so simple, so easy. I've seen so many uh, things simply solved by simple communication. Something that's so big that drove people away from the church. That got them out of their planting. That got them out of their place. That could have been solved by asking one question. One time I had, uh, One time I had a situation where... A lady was at the church, and man, she needed, her and her family, they needed the anointing of God to break some stuff off of their life. And it was happening. Yeah. Things were happening. I mean, things were going awesome. And then all of a sudden, I just knew as a pastor, the Lord instructed me. He said, she, they're getting ready to leave the church. You need to call them today. Yeah. And uh, so, and so, And let me just say this. Just because somebody's getting ready to leave the church, I've also had the Lord say, they're getting ready to leave the church, do not call them. And that should be more concerning. What puts you in a place where the Lord would say, don't call them? Because they won't hear, generally because they won't hear those things. But the Lord, I've had them say, call them. I've had them say, don't call them. And so we have to get to the place where we understand, where we humble ourselves where we're not thinking that we know everything, and you know what helps us? Humility and communication helps to solve those areas and take away the gray areas, take away the pitfalls and the traps of the enemy. So I called this lady, and basically this lady had five different problems with with the church. I said, "Look, I said I'm not offended. What's what's going on? What are you thinking?" And uh, so one one thing was uh, she she thought that the ladies of the church were a clique. And one of the things, she had gotten that from somebody else, and here's what had happened. Um, They had had literally seen all of our leadership ladies, after service, go into a room and close the door, and they thought that all the leadership ladies were not letting anybody into their circle, and they were in there talking about all the other ladies, and it was a clique. Somebody saw that, thought received the wrong thought and then started spreading that all right now here's what was actually happening what was actually happening was they were going in there to count the offering yep. <laughs> they were going in there to work <laughs> and somebody had seen it they thought the wrong thing and then all of a sudden, they, they get to the point, well, that then spread. Well, this lady was not the one who thought that, but she had heard that. And so now she was believing this is their, you know, boomerangs a click. They're clickish. It wasn't that at all. We were just working. We were doing the work of the Lord. But we're not like leaving the door open for everybody to see, you know, ev- all the business and everything. It was right there where everybody was at. And it needs to be private. It needs to be, it needs, they need to have attention on what they're doing. And, so anyway, they were going in there. We had several. We, nobody goes in and counts the offering, just one person or just two people. We always have three or more to bring accountability. Why? Because that's the the precious seed. In, what people give is precious seed in the eyes of the Lord. And we don't count it lightly. It is a very honored thing in our lives. That's people's lives. And so we had people in there that were uh, working and bringing accountability and so she said, "Well, one thing is it looks like it's clickish." And I asked her and she gave me that example. I said, "Well, actually, do you know what they're doing?" And I told her, she went, "Oh. Well, that's not a problem at all." I said, "No." <laughs> I was like, "No, that's actually very good." And she she went, "Oh." And so watch. Now, she wasn't going to reach out and ask questions she should have, but she wasn't. The Lord told me to contact her, and in the communication, What was a deception and a wedge of division was completely eradicated once the communication and the anointing came together in that. And that anointing helped her to see that and wipe away that deception. Well, she went on the point two, three, four, and five. She said, well, I've got, what's this? I don't understand this. I don't feel right about this. I said, oh, well, that's this. Boom, boom, boom. Here's what's going on. She went, oh, well, that's not a problem either. Uh, Point three. Here's what, and what's this? Well, here's what's going on, boom, 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 boom. Oh, well, that's not a problem either. All five issues, she was getting ready to uproot herself and her family and leave the church, and none of them were issues. It just, to her, looked that way. But one moment of communication, and all of a sudden, she could see, okay, I don't have an issue. So I watched this. It was going back to the couple. We're sitting in this meeting. Because there was a problem, the problem was there because of no communication. But now there's been no communication when they had an initial uh, disagreement with something. There wasn't communication. And so without communication, that thought began to snowball. And the snowball led to the point where they were angry with me. And so then we come together and... I'm carrying an anointing as a pastor under that anointing we're just i'm just asking them questions. well, what about this well no that's here's what's happening so why does what does this mean and um you know i've i've had uh I've had people accuse me before of things uh that they were actually doing, and uh, one time somebody says, Well, you just never spend time with me I said, well Last week, you asked me for something for some time. What did I say? Well, you said yes. I said, Did I give time to you? Well, yeah, you did. I said, Have I told you that I'd be available anytime you ask for it? Well, yes. Did I tell you that you can even come every day of my life and you can hang out with me and you can be right around me? Well, yeah. I said, Then who's the one not spending time? I was like, I've made it readily available. I was like you're not spending time and you're accusing me of the very thing that you're doing and they went and the light bulb came on the anointing will bring back that deception and then they can see and so the light bulb went on in this in this meeting that we're having and all of a sudden their statement was well we don't really have a problem do we I said I can't see one I don't know why you're you've been upset so everything's good. We're hugging. People are crying. Everything. It looks awesome, just like this with Saul, and uh, with Saul and David. And all of a sudden, a week later, they're mad again. And I'm like, What in the world? What's going on? We had three of those meetings, and all all three times the same thing happened. Here's the reason why. When you come into an environment where the anointing is, it clears away the veils of deception. But if you have an environment that's not under the anointing, or you're allowing the wrong Things like negative thoughts, things that aren't worthy of praise, speaking negative things. You don't realize it, but the reason why you're deceived is because of the environment that you may be allowing yourself or the voices that you're allowing to come in. But what happened three different times, they would come under the anointing, the deception would go away, we'd walk out, all three times. We don't really have a problem. But it ended up where they never corrected the environment and eventually left... Uh, the church unplanted themselves and uh, because they didn't handle their thinking in that environment. And it, that bothered me. I just didn't understand it. I watched that happen with multiple people over the years. And the last one uh, that really stuck out to me was the most amazing thing. I mean, we just had a beautiful meeting. And a few hours later, a few hours later, it was like the exact opposite. And, what, and I was talking to um, one of my leaders, one of my spiritual fathers. They said, what happens? And they explain that when they come under the anointing, it clears up. But they don't realize that there's demonic influence. There's not always demonic influence, but a lot of times there is. And they don't realize the deception came because of the demonic influence that they've been allowing in their life. But communication early on will keep those things clear and coming under the anointing stain. So what you see after that after that still I was like, "God, it's just hard to hard to fathom that that could be the case." It wasn't a week or two after that I was reading I was thinking about these stories and the Lord showed me David and Saul and we're about to read another one where Saul comes in front and he repents twice King Saul without the anointing Came under the anointing of David. Even though Saul was king, David was carrying the anointing of God. David was younger. Saul was older. Just because age, it's a spiritual age, spiritual maturity that's important. And so here it comes. Saul comes under the anointing and the deception falls away. But watch this. Here it is just a couple of chapters later. He just repented to David a couple of chapters later. And sure enough, there's Saul trying to kill David again. And I went, It's the same thing. Now I can see it in the Bible. The same thing happened with David that had happened to me multiple times. I was like... Okay, now I see the spiritual workings of it all, and I understand it. How do you keep yourself out of being in the position of Saul? How do you keep yourself the uh, the person that would be king, the person that would be a leader? How do you keep yourself out of that? Well, one, you give yourself to God. But two, you communicate early, and you position yourself in the atmosphere of an anointing on a regular basis. And you keep an atmosphere without the anointing away from you. So in your home, it needs to be an atmosphere of the anointing. You know, when we walk into my house, man, there's just a peace on the house why cuz we purpose ourselves to keep peace in the house we don't have strife if we have strife we deal with that we get it gone and there's a peace in the house it's a it's home it's a place of godliness it's a place of god if i see that something's not right i'm going to keep that place an anointing i need the anointing to flow everywhere i go and so i want to keep myself full of the anointing now how do i do that i take every thought captive like the Word says, I, I think on things only worthy of praise. I don't think on things uh, that, are, that are problems. I find that there are problems that come up. There's issues, there's problems. God can turn them into opportunities if you've heard the leadership training. But what you want to make sure you do is you only dwell on things worthy of praise. If it doesn't make you lift your hand, stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. You know, these are things that a leader has to do. If a leader does not ha- know how to take his thoughts captive, he will never be the leader that God's called them to be. Hear that again. Write it in the comments. If a leader does not take his thoughts, their thoughts captive, he will never be the leader that God has called them to be. He will never be the leader that God's called them to be. Put that in the comments. If a leader will not take their thoughts captive They will never be the leader that God has called them to be. Why? Because this is God's way and His ways are holy. And so for us to not take our thoughts captive, we're not operating in His holy ways. We won't have supernatural, holy, powerful, anointed workings in our life. And as leaders, we need the supernatural in our leadership. We need the supernatural in our life. And if we don't take our thoughts captive, we're deciding, we're making a decision, whether we recognize it or not, I'm not going to walk your way, God. We're giving a stiff arm to the Lord. No, I'm not going to walk your way. I'm going to let negative thoughts invade my life, and you're going to miss out on the supernatural power of God to help you be who you're called to be. Amen. If a leader will not take their thoughts captive, they'll never be the leader God's called them to be. All right. So we see what happened with Saul. He was under the anointing. He recognized his issue. He repented. And then two chapters later, he's hunting David down again. So also know this as a leader. Don't don't think that everybody's going to repent to you. (laughs) That's a statement in itself. Don't think everybody's going to repent to you. Don't think that everybody's going to repent to you and then uphold their repentance. If it didn't happen to David, if it didn't happen to Jesus, it's not going to happen to you. Don't, don't fool yourself and think that you're, watch this, don't put yourself under condemnation because somebody keeps manifesting the atmosphere of, that they've created. Don't, think, don't hold yourself under condemnation, leader. Don't hold yourself under condemnation because somebody repented to you and then they don't uphold their repentance because they've not handled their atmosphere that they live in. You're going to have people do that. Know that you're going to have people do that. Keep loving them anyway. Love sometimes means you don't have much to do with them. But keep loving on them anyway. You know, I've had people that have cussed me out as a pastor. Never tried to hurt anybody, never tried to harm. Have I done everything right? No, I haven't done everything right. Definitely haven't. However, I've had people that, you know, if you know me and you know my heart, I'm never trying to do anything like that. But I've had people that just plain out cuss me out. And I'll go to them and I'll just, I'll see them out and about. I'm a hug them. I'm a love on them. Because hear this and write this in the comments. Never. Does the wrongdoing of one person give us permission to do another wrong? Never in this Bible will you see that love is not required from somebody. Never does the wrongdoing of one person give us the right to do something wrong. does it happen that way. You're seeing that a lot over the country right now. People think that the wrongdoing... ...of somebody else gives me a right now to do wrong. That's, that is not Bible. That's not... No, our job always is to owe oh, no man anything but to love him. That doesn't say the good man. That, that says every man, we owe him one thing, the love of God. Now, the love of God sometimes is to not say anything to him. Sometimes is to walk away. But we owe him love. Love is a choice and commitment to unconditional giving... At the leading of God. Hear this. Be led by God and do what God tells you to do. And if you don't know what He wants you to do, get more in this Word and study to show yourself proven. You'll you'll see those things. All right. Now, going on. So, verse 2. So Saul arose. (laughs) Where are we? We're at uh, 1250 and I'm on verse 2. So Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having with him 3,000 chosen men of Israel... To search for David in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul camped in the hill of Hakla, which is before Jeshemin, beside the road, and David was staying in the wilderness when he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. Now, I want you to see this. Learn to trust the Lord to show you things to avoid. Here in this situation, I mean, it's possible that Saul could have snuck up on him. It's possible. But you see, time after time where the Lord delivers David, time after time where the Lord delivers his people, if we will put ourselves in tune with the Holy Ghost, God will show you what's to come. I I cannot tell you how many times, I can't tell you how many times the Lord has shown me what was about to be a problem and shown me how to handle it. One time, literally, I had somebody that was messing up and they were thinking the wrong thoughts. Literally, I was getting ready one day and I was praying in the Holy Spirit. I heard in their own voice, in my spirit, I heard their thoughts and what they were thinking before I had any evidence of it. I heard what they were thinking. And then within the next week, all of the evidence came out and saw it. But the Lord showed me ahead of time what they were literally thinking in their own voice. This is the power of God. Trust the Lord to preserve and protect you. We, we were talking a couple of days ago about the package of salvation. And in your salvation is another gift of protection and preservation. God will protect you. God will, God will preserve you. But we must be open and create the environment where God can tell us the things that he needs to. I put trust in God that he'll show me where to be to avoid any traps, to avoid any attacks. Just like David here, he saw Saul coming. Learn A good leader learns to trust in the leading of God More than he trusts in his own abilities. Okay. It says, David sent out spies, and he knew that Saul was definitely coming. Verse 5, David then arose and came to the place where Saul had camped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner the son of Ner, the commander of his army. And Saul was lying in the circle of the camp, and the people were camped around him. Now, it's interesting here about Abner. Abner is Saul's right-hand man. Abner is Saul's right-hand man. And I, it's interesting that the Bible points out Abner in this story as well. He didn't have to, but he points out Abner in the story as well. And I think you're going to see that with Abner lies a responsibility to help protect the anointed king Saul. You know, and so Saul, yes, Saul was anointed as king, and yes, Saul stepped out from the anointing. But the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. What we don't see out of King Saul is we never see a repentance on the heart of Saul. I believe if Saul would have turned back, he could have stepped right back into that anointing. God's given him time to make a change. But even so here, Abner is with him, and he's saying, look, God's pointing out Abner for a purpose. We're going to see more of that in a minute. So it says, David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner the son of Ner, the commander of his army. And Saul was lying in, a, in the circle of the camp, and the people were camped around him. So Saul's in the center, and all the people are around him, all those 3,000 uh, choice men. Then David said to Ahimelech the Hittite, and to Abishai the son of Zeru- Zer- Zeruiah, Joab's brother, saying... Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I'll go down with you. So David, that's another thing. As a leader. As a leader in the kingdom of God. Be willing, be ready and available. Ready and available. Abishai is ready and available. Put that in the comments. A leader is ready and available. One of the things that you want to, we have a, there's a teaching, usable and available. A good leader is usable and available. That means, you see, if, let's say that I called Barrett, if I felt by the Lord right now, hey, we need to pray right now, and I said, Barrett, come up here and pray. Well, what if she's not ready to pray? What if she hasn't been practicing prayer? What if she has uh, got mad at George this morning and her heart's off? Well, she's not usable. I need her. I need her to pray. And all of a sudden, she's not usable, right? Well, what if she wasn't here? Uh, What if she wasn't here? Just the other day, I said, uh, I called, this was Sunday morning. It was before service. It was a good bit before service. We were having corporate prayer, corporate prayer here uh, at the church is from nine o'clock to 10 o'clock. And so uh, I called George and I said, or I sent him a message. I said, George, Uh, when you come out to meet me, now this is way before service. This is not service time. I said, when you come out to meet me, bring Buddy with you. I want Buddy to be there. So, George, now here's the the thing. How do I know that Buddy's at prayer? Because I know his heart. He was not only usable, but he was available. I, I didn't have a question of whether or not he was there or not. Because I see his heart. Many people, they're never ready for anything. We have some people, they've never been to corporate prayer. There's, watch this, there's something that I'm wanting to start getting into the life of Buddy that I could not get there if he wasn't available But because he made himself available, he honored, like Abishai here, he was usable, ready, and available. He was. If Barrett's not studied on prayer, if she's not studied in the Word, if she doesn't know the Word, can I trust her to pray things? No, we're only supposed to pray the words of God. Jesus said, pray, I only say what I hear the Father say. If she's not heard the Father say anything because her fellowship with God is broken then she's not usable. She's not prepared. A good leader is ready and available or usable and available. They're in place. They're ready. And God can give those people things that other people can't. Last week, um, if many of you saw it, I wasn't here on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You know why? Why? The reason I wasn't here was my spiritual, a spiritual father of mine called and said, hey, I'm having some special meetings and I'd like for you to be there. And he wasn't telling me to be there. He was just saying, I'd like for you to be there. That was all it took. Now, along with his request, I immediately felt the Holy Ghost, as soon as he mentioned the meeting, I immediately felt the Holy Ghost say, you're supposed to be there. Man, I can't... I can't even get into how much I received while I was there, but here's the thing: I was ready and available. When he needed something, I was there. I've got my own ministry. I got my own stuff. I had to cancel appointments and and reschedule and do all. Everybody here can tell you about that. I had to move stuff around. I had to people other people besides me. But what am I doing when my leader needs something? I'm ready. I'm prepared. Part of what he needed, he needed somebody coming in with a spiritual maturity to draw on the Word, to help him get out what God wanted him to get out. That's what he needed. What if I had not given myself to be prepared? What if I wasn't studied and and available to draw on the Lord like that? If I wasn't able to draw on the Lord like that, then I wouldn't have been ready, ready to help him. You give your study to show yourself approved. But then at the same time, here I am. I'm available. Hey, I'll make myself available. Not only that, it took money to get out there. We had believed God to have the resources, abundance, to do every good work. All of this comes to a preparation. Put this in the comments. Don't wait until the battle to load your weapon. Don't wait until the battle to load your weapon. Many people, they're waiting, you know, you'll see people. When do people many times in today's society come to church? Many, when they got a problem. A lot of times that's too late. They're not going to be able to change their thinking quick enough to get it. Now God's merciful and he'll meet them. But the, the better way to do it, let me show you a better way. Be prepared. You might not even have the battle. If you're prepared in God, He'll go around the battle for you. And you might not need, why fight something you don't have to fight? But definitely don't try to get your faith up in the middle of the battle. Right. Hey, Taylor McCaffrey, I love you. I see you, man. Kevin, Caleb, I see it. Darla was on here. I see y'all. Thank you so much for being here. Don't wait till the middle of the battle to load your weapon. Don't learn how to draw on faith, hope, and love right when it's life or death. Don't wait. Don't wait. Study to show yourself approved now. Be diligent now. Turn with me real quick uh, to Proverbs 16.3. Proverbs 16.3. I'm going to read it in the New American Standard and I'm going to read it in the King James. Proverbs sixteen three. It says this, Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Uh, in the King James, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established established your thoughts will be established. Have you ever been at the place where you just really didn't feel like doing something that you knew you needed to do? I man, all my life I've had moments like that. I just really don't feel and to be honest, I there've been multiple times even after I've been a pastor. I don't feel like reading my bible today. Praise God, we don't live by feelings, but I've felt it I felt it. Don't raise your hand, but I think everybody has. I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like worshiping today. (laughs) I got my worship shirt on. Worship is not a spectator sport. We need to engage. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like entering in. I know you don't feel like entering in. That's exactly why you need to do it. Because when we commit our works to do the holy things of God... The Bible says he will then establish our thoughts. Where we were thinking, I don't feel like this. When we go and do the right thing, God will change our thoughts. He will change our thoughts. So it's amazing if you'll just start reading your Bible and making yourself do it, before long you will want to do it. If you'll just start worshiping and make it, you know, take off the heavy garment, put on the garment of praise before long, you'll, you'll remember You'll you'll want to praise. You'll want to praise. If you'll just start praying, you'll, you'll get so used to praying. You'll want to pray. You'll want to. That's the way God's established it. If you'll just give yourself to the things of God, even when you don't feel like it, you'll be prepared and you'll be ready. In other words, even when you don't feel like going to church, you just. Darla said, humble yourself. Exactly, Darla. You humble yourself to the things of God and immediately... You'll start to want to do those things. I was um uh today uh Pastor Ed Kivit is here. We've been we just figured it out today, we've been friends for almost 20 years. And uh we were looking at some technical streaming and video stuff today, and and uh I was at his church uh where he was serving probably um eighteen or nineteen years ago. And I remember that we were having a meeting. And uh, it was that day that I was in his church, and I'm sitting there, and worship is happening. And uh, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost tells me, I want you to worship and dance. I was like, I don't want to dance. I don't want to dance. I don't know if you'll remember this, Ed, but anyway. I was like, uh, I don't want to do that. Like, people may see me. The Holy Ghost, I was like sitting there. He said, dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay. I knew I heard from God. Uh, so I started like this. I was like and I just started kind of bouncing on my on my feet just a little bit. What's well, amazing, what happened was as I did that, as I was obedient even to start in that way, it works the same way when you're learning how to pray in tongues. Uh, if you just by faith start speaking the syllables that are rising up in your spirit, God fills those syllables. Well, it's the same thing. When I just gave myself to a little bit of, that was all I could get out, man. That was it. I was, so, I was just, and I just started doing this. But then all of a sudden, when I did that, a freedom came. And, and I felt it. And I, I, man, I started jumping higher. I started dancing a little bit higher. And I started, then, then, I, then I did a little bit of this. And I started doing a little, a little, a little turn, and before then, I, then I started raising my arm, and then before I knew it, I was like, I started spinning around. I was dancing, and and something broke off of me that day. When I was in obedience that day, something broke off of me. But not only that, but multiple people came up to me in that service, and they and they said, "Man, your worship, just it it." Change something in me. Well, that's biblical. I think it's Acts chapter 16 where they're in the inner dungeon praising God, singing so loud that all the prisoners could hear him. And the chains broke off of them and every prisoner. It wasn't the prisoners that were praising God, it was Paul and Silas, and their praise broke. Free the people around them by simple obedience, being willing, ready, and available. A good leader is always willing, ready, and available. And we give ourselves to be ready. I gave myself to be ready that day by listening to the Lord to do something I didn't want to do. I committed my works even though I didn't want to do it. And God established my thinking. And now it's no problem for me. No problem for me. Man, when we worship... I just... It's easy for me to enter into the presence of God. I just start jumping up and down and praising Him. And uh, that's not a show. I do it everywhere. I do it everywhere. And I'll go into some churches and that's not their thing. It's hard for me not to praise God. You know, it's hard for me not to. Why? Because my thoughts were established because years ago, I listened when God told me to handle something. I listened. I made myself ready. I... I studied to show myself approved. I operated, I practiced the things that God has told me in his word that I need to put on worship. I need to put on a garment of praise. I need to worship him. And now I'm ready. I can, to this day, I can help people enter in because it's in my heart, it's who I am. We must make ourselves, as believers, as leaders, we must make ourselves ready and available by giving ourselves to the things of God, to his ways, to his holy ways. So he says, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. He was ready to do whatever needed to happen, and he was available. He was usable and available. Amen. Amen. We're going to come back to this again tomorrow. We're going to talk about the rest of this story. But I just pray right now. Lord, I just ask you right now for everybody that's listening and watching. Father, right now, just show us where we need to study to show our self-approved. Show us, Lord, where we can make ourselves more available. Show us, Lord, how to be in the right place at the right time. Lord, right now, I just thank you for empowering people to be the leaders that they're called to be. Thank you, Father. Let me give you something on this real quick. Amen. Love you too, Caleb. He says, I love you very much. I want you to see something. Here's what's going on. If you go, actually, go to Second Samuel, or 1 Samuel 2 and verse 30. 1 Samuel 2 and verse 30. In the second part of that verse, it says, but now this is a way of God. This is a way of God. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Those who honor me, God says, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. You see, what happens here is, When you give yourself to study to show yourself approved, and you make yourself usable, ready, and usable, and available, you're not just honoring the pastor, the church, you're honoring God in that place. You're honoring what God has called them to do. And when you honor God like that, God says, I'm going to honor you. You can't escape it. You are going to be honored in that way. You are going to be honored. Why? And, and I want, this is something the Lord, uh, uh, this is something the Lord showed me years ago, is the amount of honor that we give God, it just ain't the same as what God gives us. It's just not the same. It's not a fair trade. So we give God what we think is so big and everything, and God's just like, boom, and he'll give. It's huge, huge. I just saw uh, Priscilla donating, uh, sowing into the kingdom. Thank you so much, Priscilla. We just call it blessed in Jesus' name. It's, it's honoring God when you sow even into the good news of the word. Thank you for doing that. Lord, let it be pressed down, shaken together, and running over in Jesus' name. But it is not the same. When you honor God on our level, on our man level, now God can empower it, but what we have in our hand versus what God's got in his hand, it's just not comparable. God wants to honor you. He is not withholding any good thing from those who walk uprightly. He's looking for people that he can honor and show himself strong on their behalf. The issue is he doesn't have very many people that are usable and available that are honoring him in these ways. See, like when Buddy was here on Sunday morning, and I knew he was there, I didn't even have to ask. At prayer. He's not just honoring me. He's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm ready, I'm here for you. When, when Barrett is here every morning for prayer at from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., every weekday morning, She's saying, Lord, I'm honoring you. I'm handling this. I'm honoring you. Is she honoring me? Yes, she's honoring me too. Is she honoring the ministry? Yes, she's honoring the ministry too. But the real person she's honoring is God. She's making herself usable and available. And I'm telling you, there have been attacks that have been broken simply because we're praying every day. Because we're praying every day. We're ministering. And and she's leading that up. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's an honor of God being ready. Listen, when we make sure that our, our hind end is planted in church every Sunday morning, we're making ourselves ready and available. And when we're coming in in full expectation, not, not bringing all of our garbage, but we've already dealt with that. Lord, I'm coming in. I'm bringing faith, hope, and love. I'm bringing my supply into the house today. What are we doing? We're honoring God. And God says, I'll honor you. There's no way you can't be honored. God's already made a promise. He put his word on it. I'm talking to the people that he's going to honor because they are going to honor. Amen. Thank you for that seed, Mark. Yeah, I see that. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for pouring out your honor on people. Father, right now, I just pray that your honor would be poured out on everybody here in this message because they will be the ones that honor you. They will honor you. They will go after you. They will study to show themselves approved. They will spend, you know, part 32. They will be at part 32. Learning how to be the ones that will fulfill their destiny. They will learn how to be the ones that will humble themselves, hunger for you, and honor you in every way. Lord, I'm talking to leaders in the kingdom of God. I'm talking to people that will have crowns to lay at the feet of Jesus in the judgment. I'm talking to people that will have great rewards in eternity. I'm talking to people that will honor you with everything they have. That's who I'm talking to today. And they're receiving it. They're being changed. They're allowing the Lord to change them. They're allowing their thoughts to be established. They're, they're allowing God to turn them into a usable people, transform them, mold them. The master craftsman is chipping away all the co- uh, corrupted garbage of the flesh and he's turning them into the fullness of the stature of Christ. Father, that's who I'm talking to today. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing to break the yoke and to rise us up to be everything you've called us to be. Lord, we'll be your people, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Do you feel that? Man, I feel the presence of God on that. You're receiving it right now. You're receiving the power of God to be something that you weren't before today. Today you're receiving an empowerment, an anointing to cut the ties of the world and rise up to heavenly places. You're receiving it right now. You're receiving it. That's the anointing of God that's flowing to you right now. Glory to God. God sees you. God has stuff for you. He believes in you. That's why He's touching you right now. He believes in you. He's got good stuff for you right now. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. We praise you. (laughs) We praise you. Lord, we worship you. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Lord, help us to see areas to be more usable and more ready. And Lord, then empower us to step right into those areas. Lord, empower us to step right into them. In Jesus' name. Oh, Father, we praise you and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I, I pray you got something out of this today. Share the broadcast. Uh, pe- people need to hear this kind of message. It's time for the church to stop playing games. Don't just check the box of going to church, but be bringing something. Be like Abisha. Be bringing something. Be usable and available. Ready and available. Just put it in the comments right now. Make a, make a commitment. Make a statement, I will be, I will be, I will be ready and available for the Lord. I will be ready and available for the Lord. Amen. Put it in the comments. I know you might not be, say it out loud as you type in it. I will be ready and available for the Lord. Shout it as long as you don't scare somebody next to you, but maybe do that too. I, you know, I will be ready and available for the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I'll be ready and available for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Julie, for sowing that seed as well. If you'd like to sow into the gospel that we're you know, giving out every single day, hey, Miss Randy, good to see you. If, you. if you'd like to sow into the gospel on Facebook, you can just type in hashtag donate and the amount and uh, if, whether you're on Facebook or anywhere else, you can go to givebc.org, givebc.org, and uh, they'll put that information up there so you can see it. And uh, you're welcome to sow. Uh, the broadcast doesn't cost you anything, but there's some people that God will put it on their heart, and He says, I want you to give into what they're doing and partner with what they're doing. If that's you, we've made it easy for you to do that. Amen. You will be ready and available. I see all these comments. Hallelujah. Melissa, you will be ready and available. Priscilla, you will be ready and available in Jesus' name. Marky, you will be ready and available in Jesus' name, Barrett. You will be ready and available for the Lord, buddy. You will be ready and available, Serena. You will be ready and available, Caleb. You will be ready and available, Rebecca. You will be ready and available, Randy. You will be ready and available, Kevin. You will be ready and available, Darla. You will be ready and available, Julie. You will be ready. And available. Chris, you will be ready and available. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. That was a bunch of names. Glory to God. You'll be ready and available. It's who you are. Amen. Melissa says, I receive it. I receive it with you. We're in agreement with you. I'm talking to world changers. In this series, I'm talking to world changers. I'm talking to the leaders of God. I'm talking to people who will fulfill and eternal destiny a supernatural destiny that's who i'm talking to hallelujah father we just praise you we praise you just put up hands in the comments lord we praise you thank you for letting us be a part of your plan glory to god thank you lord we praise you thank you for letting us be a part of your plan you didn't have to and i sure didn't deserve it without you But thank you for letting us be a part of your plan. Oh, Father, we praise you. We worship you. Thank you for letting us be a part of your plan. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for letting us be a part of your plan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Well, I hope you've enjoyed it today. I hope you received uh, from that anointing. And we just praise God for you. We believe in you. I am so excited to hear all the testimonies that come through the people that are hearing this. Share the broadcast. Amen. Melissa says, His will is my pleasure. Amen. Have a great, great day. I'll see you tomorrow at noon. It's going to be awesome. I'll have some special guests with me. It's going to be a great day. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Lunch plus at noon. Bye. (laughs) No, (laughs)
2: No, <laughs> no, <laughs>